Who dat, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast. We are coming at you today via fansided and whodatdish.com to break down all of the New Orleans Saints free agency moves as of right now on Friday, March 15th, 2019. They've had a lot of moves, retaining players, they've signed some new guys, haven't lost too many guys, but the players they have lost to other teams in free agency so far are important, so we're going to talk about all of that, plus give you our thoughts on some other free agency news, moves, and trades as well that have happened so far uh, here in just the past few days since free agency started on March 13th. As always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today, Houdat Nation. Uh, and with me, uh, well, first, without me is, is Tyler Raymond. You can follow him on Twitter, at Raymond Tyler Raymond. He was on the last episode. Um, but the guy who was without us last episode was with us today. You can follow him on Twitter, at St. Charlie. Charlie P., what is going on, man? Good to have you back. Uh, how's it been? You haven't been on an episode since uh, late January. It's been a minute. Um, how are things going? And um, how are you feeling so far in free agency? Man, I, I can't complain, really. Uh, we're getting lucky with some awesome weather here in Maryland. We had uh, some late winter snow. Yes, uh, same here, yeah. I guess last week, maybe the week before, and it was just cold as hell still. And and, and we're kind of like <clears> – <throat> I think where you live and where I live is kind of similar in that, like, we have the craziest weather patterns. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like living in the mid-Atlantic, it can snow one day and then be 70 the next day, and it's just mm. – it's wild. So I'm a, I'm in an upbeat mood, man. It's 75 degrees and the sun's out. I got my windows open in my office, so you might hear like a bird chirp or maybe even a uh, a rooster crow. For some reason, my the neighbor behind me has got roosters. I mean I don't, I don't, I don't live in a farm area, so I'm not sure what's up with that. The but, sounds of nature. I love it. Yeah, man, I guess. Um so overall, man, I'm doing good, dude. Uh, glad to be back on the show. It's yeah, it's definitely been forever. Um, I've definitely been keeping track of what's going on with the Saints, um, you know, and I'm sure we'll we'll dive into that stuff. Definitely yep. missed all today, but happy to be back on the show, man. Um, yeah, it's currently about 55 degrees and sunny where I'm where I'm at. But two weeks ago, we were also we we got about two inches of snow, uh, so very sporadic. And then it also we get the random rain. Of course, Northwest is known for the for the rain consistently, uh, and I'm sure that's right around the corner with spring coming along. But um, yeah, glad glad you're doing good. Glad to have you back. We're gonna jump into what the Saints have done so far in free agency. Let's just get right into it. Um, and a lot of what they've been doing is shoring up uh, some supporting cast as well as uh, focusing on special teams uh, guys, including, of course, Will Lutz. I actually want to start with him because uh, he actually, in terms of total contract money, he is now the highest paid kicker of all time uh, once his once his extension kicks in. He, he signed a five-year extension. Now his per-year average is still below the $4.991 uh, um million dollar per year mark uh that was set by i believe well it was either venetary or gostowski um but 
in terms of total contract money, Will Lutz now holds the record, uh, so we're shoring up Big Nuts Lutz. He is the clutch kicker that the Saints have been waiting for, uh, and he is going to be the future there, so great signing. Um, and then Chris Banjo uh, earlier signed a three-year extension worth $9 million. That was about a week ago. Um, so, of course, very important special teams player, but he showed us at the end of last season that he can also be uh, a nice backup safety and some support in that area, which the Saints need. Um you also have the team uh, getting Ken Crawley tendered at two, or the, the reports right now is that he's tendered at a little over $2 million. Um, and then Craig Robertson, the special teams captain, uh, who was a starter for the Saints uh, before this last season for two years in a row, uh, kind of took the back seat to the fantastic uh, linebacker core of DeMar Davis, A.J. Klein, Alex Anzalone. Uh, in the 2018-2019 season, but he re-signed at two years worth $4 million, so he'll most likely end his career as a New Orleans Saint. And of course, back in February, the team also re-signed Justin Hardy, another cornerback, special teams, important guy. Um, and then uh, also retaining Teddy Bridgewater, who almost got snatched away by the Miami Dolphins. It seemed like they were making a, a really big push towards the end, which, by the way, the Dolphins also just traded Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans for a fourth-round pick um, as well as a seventh-round pick, and they also gave a sixth-round pick uh, and Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans. And uh, they were really, really, really going after Teddy Bridgewater. It seemed like there at the end they were going to offer him uh, a boatload of money, but apparently the money wasn't enough to deter Bridgewater away from the Saints. So he signed a one-year, very interesting to me, one-year $7.5 million deal worth up over $12 million. This is interesting uh, in the eyes of, uh, as a Saints fan and in support of the Saints, but for Bridgewater, it obviously makes sense. Um, you know, he, he, he's signing on to be the backup, but he's not committing long-term. Uh, this is, this isn't necessarily a prove-it deal because Bridgewater won't really be, um, playing if, if things go correctly this year, it'll still be Breeze. Uh, but beyond that, if Bridgewater continues to stay healthy and sh- is, is able to show flashes, his market, uh, in the 2020 free agency, uh, pool will be I mean he he could end up getting a lot more money with the larger salary cap a lot uh, uh, more teams could be quarterback needy at that time um, so it'll be interesting but he he is back with the team for the season he's very happy as well um, and then the team has added Latavius Murray after losing Mark Ingram now uh, we'll get into that as well when I ask you Charlie but um it seemed like the Saints moved on from Mark Ingram once they knew that he was indeed moving on, but it took a while for Ingram to officially sign with the Ravens, and he really only signed for about five hundred thousand to one million dollars more per year with the Ravens than what Justin or than than what Latavius Murray got with the Saints when he signed a four-year and fourteen point four million dollar deal with the Saints. Uh, Murray, of course, the former Raiders and Vikings running back, is going to now be backing up Kamara. Um, so that was an interesting situation, but the Saints were really quick to get Murray because he had a sort of friendly market, but they knew they were going to be able to sway him down uh, to the Big Easy. And then the other two um, big acquisitions, uh, Malcolm Brown, and they're both on the defensive line. Malcolm Brown signed a three-year, $50 million deal, very, very big, former first-round pick of the New England Patriots, defensive tackle, um, is going to be helping out there with the uh, injury that happened to Sheldon Rankin's possible suspension for David Onyemata. Seems like Tyler Davison may be out of the picture now, so uh, shoring up the defensive tackle spot. And then the team also signed Mario Edwards. He's a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. Signed a two-year, $5 million deal with $1.5 million in sack incentives. Uh, played for the Raiders and the Giants. Um, so, wow, a lot of moves. 
a lot of a lot of guys coming back with the team so charlie overall what do you think of all of these moves obviously it sounds like you're you're, you're happy overall with the direction the Saints are taking. What are your thoughts on all these moves? What are your thoughts on the uh, Mark Ingram going to the Ravens, that whole contract situation? The team also uh, lost Alex Okafor to the... Oh, I didn't write it down. Who did Okafor sign with? Okafor went to the Chiefs. That's right. He did go to Kansas City. Um, so we lose Okafor to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they signed him to... what well, It was like three-year, $24 million deal. Um, so Okafor definitely got paid. Um, and But the Saints kind of seem like they're replacing that with Mario Edwards and maybe Ziggy Ansah. Jared Cook is still in the picture. But what do you think overall of all of these moves, um, especially the whole Mark Ingram debacle? Um... Okay, as a whole, I'd say that I, I mean, as of right now, and you know, March fifteenth, um, I I like them right now as a whole. I absolutely hated and will hate this Mark Ingram situation because, mm-hmm. um, I think both sides failed, um, and I think both sides called each other's bluff, and it ended up with. Mark going to Baltimore and us getting Latavius Murray. And, you know, this is really is not anything against Latavius Murray. I think he's got – he has some attributes that are nice. He's a big guy. He's fast. He can do a little a little bit catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen him do anything like Mark can do out of the backfield catching the ball. But, you know, just, just from being a fan, reading through the drama of what happened with the contract situation on Twitter – it seemed to me that the Saints had a ballpark number in their head, and Mark and his agent, probably just his agent, thought that they, he could go out on the street and pick up seven, eight million dollars a year. And my hunch is that they were in talks with the Ravens, maybe the Packers or somebody else, and went back to the Saints and said, "Hey, you know, Mark's going to get seven, eight million dollars a year." Can you guys match it? And the the Saints said absolutely not, and they they went ahead and signed Latavius Murray, mm. and then come to find out, Mark signs for what? Uh, five mil per year, five, th- three mil five. or three year, fifteen mil. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So that that tells me, you know, that the Saints the Saints offered him didn't the Saints offer him uh, five hundred thousand dollars a season less? It was so pretty, it, pretty much the same contract Latavius Murray got is what the Saints were were, were going to offer. Which yeah, the total and, money was if if Ingram is signing for fifteen mil, uh, Latavius Murray signed for fourteen point four. So that's really a total difference of six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it just kind of grossed me out. Like yeah. if if the two sides had dealt with each other in good faith, uh, I think that they could have come to an agreement, and Mark would still be in the locker room and. Mark is a major, major loss, man. I mean, I don't yeah. care what anybody says. Sure, Latavius Murray's <clears throat> a little younger, probably a little bit faster. But, I mean, Mark knows the offense. He knows what's expected of him in the running back room. He's, you know, at, at times he's the lifeblood of the offense. And losing him is, I mean, he's to me, Latavius Murray's not a replacement for Mark Ingram. He's a different piece that is going to have to fill in where Mark Ingram was, but he's not a replacement to me. I mean, Mark's been here since 2011. We, you know, as fans were patient with him as he came along and developed into an NFL running back. And he developed into one of the best uh, running backs that the saints have ever had. And it just sucks that he left 84 yards short of being the all time, you know, leading rusher in saints history. Awful. 
you know, I, I just hate that. Um, you know, and <clears throat> the, the offense hasn't done anything to get better, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and that kind of worries me a little bit. We'll see what happens with the draft. We'll see what happens. You know, we're recording this at about 4.30 on Thursday, the 15th. And I guess Jared Cook is still being holed up somewhere in New right. Orleans. Like, right. you know, he was supposed to go there yesterday, right? Or he something hasn't like left. That. I don't think he's left. And no one, none of these beat writers or insiders or any of these people who we're supposed to depend on for information mm-hmm. has said that he's left New Orleans yet. So right. he's either eaten <laughs> or I don't know. But, uh, you know, signing him would be cool. I mean, he, he's kind of an older guy. He's with 31, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. He's in his early 30s. So it's not like he's a long-term solution at tight end. But, you know, perhaps the Saints feel really strongly about – one of two things. One, that where they sit in the draft in the second round, they can get a good piece for the offense, be it a tight end or a wide receiver. Or they feel like they can make moves in the draft to get what they want. Um, or the other thing is they feel really comfortable with the guys we have already. The, you know, assuming that Traquan Smith is going to take the step forward and actually learn the playbook and be more reliable. That, um, Cameron Meredith is is going to be able to bounce back from this knee stuff, and that um, you know Kirkwood's going to continue to develop. That Ted Ginn's still con- going to continue not to get older, and Michael Thomas is just going to be a beast, and uh, you know maybe be able to hold on to Des Bryant. I mean, maybe that's the thinking of the organization that we can uh, take what we have already on offense, and you know I mean it's been said you know we were one one blown call away from probably winning the Super Bowl with this offense that we had right then and there. But it's not to say that there was glaring needs on offense. I mean, there were times, especially during the, the end of the season, outside of the Steeler game, where the offense was just putrid. And if it wasn't – and we said it – I mean, Tyler, uh, he would say it every week just like I would. Like, if it wasn't Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara, then who was it going to be? Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into this next season, those other guys that – are on the roster and the I mean they really 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 have got to step up like Traquan Smith I'm really looking at you because to me he's got all the talent man he's got the speed he's got he's got it all he he should be able to develop into a really nice wide receiver Kirkwood too man I, I I'm you know I'm confident that Kirkwood is actually going to develop into being a nice receiver for us it's just is he going to be a weapon that other teams need to scheme for like that's what the offense needs we can have solid guys out there catching passes, but solid guys out there catching passes, that's not really going to create the mismatches that are going to really put you at an advantage. Defensive coordinators have to account for Michael Thomas. They have to account for uh, Kamara when he's on the field. And that was another thing I loved about when Mark was here because there are a lot of times where Mark and Kamara are on the field at the same time. You know, Hopefully we can do the same type of package with Latavius Murray. But we need another weapon on offense, be it a, a pass-catching tight end, a shifty slot receiver, or somebody else that you have to game plan for. And, you know, I mean, it's not like we need a guy who can be a burner and take the top. Like, we don't need a Deshaun Jackson. I mean, we all – we've been fighting these, these, these you know, rumors as fans for years, but I'm actually willing to just give it up and admit that I think it's pretty clear that Drew Brees' arm is looking his age. I mean, he's still as precise and efficient – from the intermediate to the short game. And 
And you don't, we don't need a quarterback who can throw a 70-yard bomb on a rope. We don't need that. And honestly, I don't want us to run that kind of offense. I like the ground and pound and the small ball where we kind of eat up the clock and have high-efficiency plays and don't put our defense in compromising situations. But we need another – bottom line is if, we, if it doesn't happen in free agency, there's no one else really out there right now free agent-wise that I think we could sign that could really become an impact player on offense um, except for maybe Jared Cook. So – you know, we'll, we'll see, man. We definitely need a tight end. I'd like another, I, and I would like another offensive weapon um, on the outside, if possible. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with you. I I love when when teams are in need of something. It's best to go off of what the head coach he he's got the pulse on the team. The head coach knows what the team needs to just as much as the GM does. And when Sean Payton at the the draft combine uh, uh, earlier this month tells reporters that, hey, our biggest needs are interior offensive line, interior defensive line, tight end, wide receiver, and depending on free agency, which we've seen, running back and quarterback. Now, quarterback, backup quarterback at least, is what he was mainly referring to, a short up. We got Bridgewater. Interior line actually seems kind of short up uh, with Cameron Tom, Will Clapp. Uh, we could get Josh Le- uh, Laribius back. Laribius. Um, Laribius back. By the um, way. One night, uh, I was actually tweeting back and forth with his mom. Yeah, she's just, very active on Twitter, yeah. She's she's such a nice lady, man. I, I yeah. would love Josh to come back just because his mom – his I, lo- I, lo- I love it. Like, she's just a down-to-earth, cool lady who's yeah. tweeting me and uh, who that Holly. She, you know, Holly's awesome. We all love right. her. Um, yeah, you know, just talking, hey, hopefully Josh is back in New Orleans next year. And when we go to Nashville, I'd like to go to that game. And, That'd be uh, awesome. Josh would be good. He – I remember him a lot when he played in Washington, um, and I don't think he was a, a phenomenal fit in Washington. He fought a little bit of injuries like he has in New Orleans, but he's definitely a better fit in New Orleans. Yeah, for for sure, and his mom bleeds black and gold. It's obvious. It's awesome. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just saw her uh, favoriting um, Jake White's tweet the other day um, when w- one of his tweets with me when we were actually talking about this. Uh, but it wouldn't, yeah. w- it definitely wouldn't hurt if the Saints went after another interior line, especially in the draft because that I, is a pretty deep position. I think we had someone visiting today or yesterday. Yeah, oh. um, former Vikings. I think his name is Eric. It's like Eric Smith, something like that. Something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I was out and about all day trying to follow all this stuff. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I saw we, we were hosting someone on the inside, um, which, which is good, man. I mean, we need the depth and we don't know what's up with Bushrod. So like our backup swing tackle is still going to be Pete. Right. Um, you know, and there's a there's a lot of people out there that don't like Pete and that think he's he's kind of our our weak link on the line, and he probably is, but he's also, you know, he's not a great offensive lineman, but he's he's good at playing inside and then filling in a tackle in a pinch. So, you know, I wouldn't be really, really, really against Pete um, like signing an extension to reduce that nine million dollar cap hit. I mean, he's, you know. He, you don't want that. You don't. We don't want Pete eating up nine million, nine plus million of our of our cap. But uh, right, you know. But the Saints were able to shore up a lot of cap space with uh, uh, restructuring Drew Brees' contract. It will affect. We knew the, that was coming. Right, and it will affect the dead cap later on. But that also could be something Loomis can work his way around. Uh, but that's kind of how we're able to get Bridgewater back. 
Um, same with Mario Edwards here. That's probably also clearing the way for either somebody like Jared Cook, who I would love on this team. Uh, because, yeah, tight end is still not short. Of, I mean, Benjamin Watson's retiring. Josh Hill's really the only guy on the roster that has full experience in the Saints offense being a target for Drew Brees consistently. Um, and when you look at the wide receiver core, uh, it's Michael Thomas, obviously, fantastic uh, all-pro. Uh, and then as long as Ted Ginn Jr. is healthy, uh, and as long as he's catching at least at least just one ball per game, uh, things open up a lot for Michael Thomas. And that's when the Saints offense is able to thrive. Uh, but when Ted Ginn Jr. is out, as we saw for, for a stretch there, the Saints offense can struggle uh, because Michael Thomas can get double teamed. Teams can you know start to figure out what the Saints are doing with the other receivers very easily focus more attention uh, on Michael Thomas. Now, Kirkwood and Smith will be improved upon last year, but uh, I mean, how, how, how much improved? The, the, the Saints offense is very complex. Drew Brees really needs to be in sync with his wide receivers, and it's much easier to do that with veteran guys or, or super talented guys like Michael Thomas. Um, and, and, and even though Traquan Smith, Keith Kirkwood are talented guys and have shown flashes, they're definitely not at the level Michael Thomas is or somebody we need there uh, uh, on the outside as the number two guy. The slot, again, Tommy Lee Lewis most likely not going to be back with the team. Austin Carr, who really knows what's going on with him. Uh, the slot's going to be hurting because we're not sure about Cam Meredith's health. Uh, it's been rumored that he could be cut. I, 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 I think he's going to be back with the team most likely. Uh, but it's definitely possible the Saints could move on with him. So they could look to eye somebody in the draft at that 62 spot if, if the best player available is a wide receiver. Especially, I, I mean, I think the Saints really need a, a possession receiver. A, a Even though Michael Thomas is a big guy, um, I think the Saints need somebody who's even bigger who can who can really command more of a defensive presence on him to shore up Michael Thomas more so um, and, and then figure out, you know, the slot position. Because you, you could put a guy like... Uh, Kirkwood on the outside and then have a draft at 62 a, a receiver and put him in the slot um, or if Meredith is healthy put him there but it, it would be much better if we had a a taller somewhat of a vertical threat but more so a red zone receiver uh, who's tall and can go up for balls who can command uh, larger defenders to free up some more space now Jared Cook definitely fits that bill as well being there at tight end taking some eyes away from Michael Thomas I'd love Cook Hopefully he is assigned on the team. Um, but interior defensive line, the Saints have definitely got that uh, under wraps now uh, with, with both Brown and Edwards. Very impressive guys. And it's very funny that Malcolm Brown signed for the same exact contract that Mark Ingram did with the Ravens. I, I just find that very interesting. Uh, definitely jumps out to me on paper. Um, shout out to the Saints for retaining Will Lutz too. I, like I said, I think that that's a really, really important move. Um, and then... I that's that's really all the Saints have done uh, so far this free agency period. Yeah, um, I like how as soon as it kind of opened up, how we really went after our, our own guys, and like right. you said, <clears throat> put a put a pretty big emphasis on special teams. You know, keeping guys like Banjo and and uh, you know Craig Robertson, um, Justin Hardy, and we'll have a brand new special team staff next season as well, or at least a brand new special teams coach. Yeah, so you want to keep those guys around to you know give your new coach a uh, a chance at a nice segue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like the fact that we went after D line. Um, that was clearly a problem. I thought last you know at the end of last season. Although I feel like Onyemata was okay. Stallworth, yeah. you know, undrafted rookie free agent. Like he he filled in okay. You know, con all things considering. So. You know, 
Number one, we don't know how long, how many games uh, Rankins is going to miss. He's going to miss quite a few. Um, you know, being a big guy coming back from a torn Achilles towards the end of the season. Um, and then, you know, onyamata has got the weed thing. So he yeah. he could he could miss a couple games. And I, it sounds to me like he probably will. And that's why we went out and signed two defensive linemen, one, one who's probably going to be Tyler Davison's replacement. And then, uh, you know, Mario Edwards, who can who can kind of go inside or outside. Um, I, I mean, I like it. What we did on the defense side of the ball, the the uh, special team side of the ball, I think they were all good moves, and I don't think we blew the bank for anybody. It's not like, you know, we're, Breeze is restructuring so that we can sign Dominic and Sue. You know what I mean? It's we're we're just we're being a lot more judicious, which I like. Um, you know, but. As far as Teddy, I'd like to talk about Teddy a little bit. I, I obviously I'm happy we signed him. Um, you know, and, and I would assume that Teddy is looked at as the future, especially because I guess it was word that at the combine, um, you know, what reporter it may even have been Jane Slater from NFL Network asked him, you know, are you here checking out quarterbacks? You know, Breeze is getting older, quarterback in the future, and they, you know, he's straight up said, I think Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback of the mm-hmm. future, and. And he could be, very well could be, but the one-year deal kind of, it kind of leaves the door open for both sides. You know, if Breeze wants to come back, maybe Teddy doesn't want to sit again. Um, you know, but if Breeze retires, Teddy's already there. He's already in the building. He's already built that that relationship with the front office and the coaching staff and his teammates. I mean, he's definitely a big-time locker room guy. I mean, losing, losing Teddy and Mark, that would have been tough, man. I mean, those are two you know, great personalities that obviously everybody gravitated towards. And I like Teddy a lot. I think he's got, I think he's got a good skill set for what Peyton wants to do. And, you know, if we could keep as much of this offense together, you know, I think moving forward, that'd be great. It's just a, it's a really hard balance because you know that this is probably, you know, the last year of this team's window. I mean, we already lost Mark Ingram and he was a major core part of this, of this team. Um, so my guess would be that this is probably the last year. Like if you're really going to make a run at this thing, it's it's got to be this yeah. year. Yeah. And so you're 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 going after that as a GM and a you know pro personnel scouts and all that, but then you're also you need to balance for the future because these young guys are going to be due. Mike's going to be due soon, Rank is going to be due soon. You know, we have to make a decision on Von Bell because he's going to be due soon. Camara will eventually be due. Um, you know, and then we'll have to slap the fifth year options on Ram and Lattimore. So it's definitely a tough balancing act, man, for these, for Mickey and the rest of the front office. And because we know what we have in the building now, we know we're two BS calls away from probably two Super Bowl wins or not two BS calls. I mean, a BS call and then a missed tackle away from probably two Super Bowl wins, at least one. Uh, so you got to hold it all together. I mean, me personally, I I don't know how you, how you bounce back from from that, <laughs> right? From those two, but you know these guys are just they're just trained to move on and and attack the next year and, and get after it and you know I'm I'm obviously happy for that. Yeah, I I, I bet you a big part of the free agency meetings Mickey Loomis has been having with these guys is hey we're gonna be on the verge of of the Super Bowl this upcoming season. We I mean there is obviously nothing that can stop the saints from reaching that point with the team that they have because they've been able to uh, retain so many guys um 
so far this offseason, it stayed the same. Now, Mark Ingram is the biggest loss for sure um, for this team, um, and and we, we want to bid him a farewell, obviously, um, because he was, again, 84 yards away from me, the Saints' all-time leading rusher, um, and uh, integral part, first-round pick, 28th overall, um, former Alabama Crimson Tide Heisman winner. Um, just very important for the history of the Saints, especially recently. Um, so I actually now want to jump into... Um, so so that's all the Saints moves made right now. There's still a possibility that they could get Jared Cook, Ziggy Ansah, some other guys out there. But this kind of tells me that the Saints are either going to go... If, if they don't sign Jared Cook or anybody else, that they're going to go tight end in the draft. And I know you like Noah Font out of Iowa who his teammate T.J. Hawkins said could go very early in the first round. Um, and it also, if, if the Saints... The Saints have surprised us in the past before with who they decide to draft based off their needs. Yeah. I would not be shocked if the Saints go for a cornerback or a safety in the draft at 62, um, especially if they sign a guy like Jared Cook because I feel like they have they have some... They haven't met with any wide receivers so far um um in this free agency period it sounds like um so it sounds like they're they're fairly confident in what they have if they don't if, if they do sign a tight end it sounds like they're also pretty confident interior offensive line they could get uh, a guy to support that down in the fifth round sixth round possibly they could go cornerback and safety for a little bit more depth purposes um and that would be the surprise move the the non-surprising move after all this would be them going after a safety i would still like them to go after a tight end for the future, I would still like them to go interior O-line. So after these moves, before I get into the really, uh, I'm just going to go over some of the, the top other free agent signings, but for to stick on the Saints for a second, uh, after seeing this free agency moves by them, who would you like to see the Saints position-wise go after in the draft now? And, and would you be surprised if they went cornerback or safety, or do you think it might be smart to shore up if that's BPA right there to shore up some depth? Yeah, um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised in any direction the Saints go because <clears throat> I think our roster is set up where we're in a position to be able to go BPA and not feel like we really missed out. And, you know, uh, Jeff Ireland and, and Mickey and, and Sean Payton, those guys have stuck to BPA, you know, since since Jeff Ireland got here and even, even kind of before then, really, because – um, Rankins was probably the best player available at the time, and then Michael Thomas was easily the best player available at at his you know mm-hmm. spot in the second round. And then you know who would have thought that at the thirty second pick the Saints would have picked a right tackle? Like we just yeah. you know, and it worked obviously worked out phenomenally. But I wouldn't be surprised with any of those picks. I could see corner. Um, you know, I guess that really kind of depends on what happens with PJ. If PJ doesn't stay, if someone wants to pay him, you know, more money than what we have the appetite for, I could see easily see him leaving. Um, you know, although I would like to see PJ stick around if we could keep him, but you know, PJ put on okay tape after the, you know, the first Falcons game, he put on pretty decent tape for other teams. So I, my guess is PJ wants to compete to start. Um, you know, our two starting corners are really young, so it's not like PJ or Ken Crawley, who got tendered, are really going to be waiting in the wings to kind of take over as the next wave guys. I mean, they they got to be viewed as depth. And I got to think that P. Rob's going to come back and probably be able to regain that slot corner spot. So 
I could see it uh, depending on what happens with you know Crawley or what happens with with PJ. I could see us going corner. I wouldn't mind safety to be honest. If mm. you know our board kind of just fell that way and that was the best, but yeah, I mean if there's a if there's a weapon there, a tight end or receiver or something like that, um, I'd say go for it, man. And honestly, like I could even see running back. Right, yeah, because yeah. we got the top two guys, um, and then after that, that young twenty-seven kid who kind of ran pretty hard and right. in the uh, yeah Washington Dwayne ran Washington, pretty hard yeah. in that Panther game. But you know, if there's somebody a lot better, than him, like I, I don't know, I mean, I could I could see us really going anywhere because I think our roster's set up that you can go BPA. Um, you know, assuming we can do something at tight end, or maybe we feel a certain way about Dan Arnold going into next year. Mm. I, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the coaching staff and the front office know better than we do, for sure. But I don't know. I, I don't want to see Dan Arnold drop another freaking touchdown in an NFC game again, playoff game. Or, so, you know, a hard pass thrown by Breeze, doink off his hands oh, and an interception. I mean, there were, there, dude, the, the drop touchdown pass versus the Falcons, yeah. the, uh, the obvious drop touchdown pass versus the uh, – with the Rams and the yeah. playoffs. I mean, there were, there were just too many plays. I mean, that kid was obviously in, in way over his head. I mean, didn't he play at, like, northeast, west, Idaho, central? You know, like, yeah. he was one of those schools where you know, the lights aren't their lights aren't very bright out there compared to what he was dealing with in the Super Bowls. Right. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, if you're talented, man, there's there's nothing to say that you can't put all that together and, and become. Sure. He's got the and, body. I mean, He's got I mean, look body. at Marcus Colston, man. Marcus mm. Colston played at Hofstra. He didn't have a crazy, crazy career yeah. in college, and he did, you know, became one of the better receivers in his era. The mm. most underappreciated, underappreciated receiver is in his. Oh, in for his sure. You know, yeah. Lance Moore is another guy. Came out of what Toledo. Yep, Toledo. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's, there's, it, it can happen. I mean, but just Dan Arnold's got to grow up, man. He's got to yeah. grow up. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely got the the height that you like in a tight end. But yeah, I I think speed. I mean, he's yeah. got the measurables, Slim, dude. Yeah. So um, now I want to get into some of the the biggest. I'll just go over. I guess it's like where the top thirty guys stand at. And if there's any other notable guys, um, I'm also getting this list. It's just the top 101 free agency tracker. I'm getting this list from uh, Catch the Blitz, which they are now over. Uh, 31,000 followers on Instagram now. Uh, when Christian Catanacci, the the founder of Catch the Blitz, came onto our podcast back in, um, I believe it was uh, June or August of 2017, they had a little over 2,000 followers on Instagram, so it's great to see them grow. They're uh, one of the top Instagram NFL um, news agencies and um, accounts out there. So give them a follow if you guys haven't already, but this is kind of where I'm basing off my list. So obviously you got Demarcus Lawrence, Javion Clowney. It was very interesting to see this uh, edge rusher market, how it went, because Demarcus Lawrence and Javion Clowney were both tagged, um, as was Frank Clark um, and as was D Ford. Uh, but D Ford got traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the San Francisco 49ers after being tagged for a second round pick, and then he signed a five year, eighty seven million dollar extension there. Uh, for Lawrence and Clowney, they're still working on extensions uh, with their respective teams, Cowboys and Texans. Earl Thomas moves on from the Seahawks. I was very surprised at this move, uh, going to the Baltimore Ravens, signing for a four year, fifty five million dollar deal. Um, also, of course, defensive tackle Grady Jarrett, who we talked about being a huge 
free agent splash, whichever team he went to. He's actually going to stay with the Falcons, at least for now. Le'Veon Bell, we, we all were wondering where he was going, how much he was going to make. Ends up with the Jets for four years, $52 million. Um, Frank Clark, of course, was tagged. Trey Flowers goes from the Patriots to the Lions for five years, $80 million. Landon Collins, um, another big free agent safety, goes to the Redskins for six years, $84 million. Uh, C.J. Mosley joins the Jets, and Anthony Barr almost joined the Jets as well, but he decided to return to the Vikings. Um, both of those guys got five-year deals, and C.J. Mosley's was more, worth $85 million. Um, K.J. Wright stays with the Seahawks. Nick Foles, the big quarterback, uh, free agent, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Four years, $88 million deal. Um, he, they were also rumored to maybe be in the play for Teddy, Bird, Teddy Bridgewater, but they seem set on Nick Foles from the beginning. Uh, and Dominic Sue is still a free agent. Um, he's met with a couple teams, but no deal yet signed by him. Tyron Matthew goes to the Chiefs for three years, $42 million. Uh, both Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, pass rushers, edge guys who are really, really good and exactly what the Packers need, both go to Green Bay um, on four-year deals, uh, each worth over $50 million. Sheldon Richardson goes to the Browns, who also traded for Odell Beckham Jr. So the Browns are looking really, really nice. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner goes to the Raiders for a four-year deal. Ziggy Ansah, of course, is still a free agent. Um, you have Brandon Graham staying with the Eagles. You have Bradley Roby signing a one-year deal with the Texans. Quan Alexander goes from the Buccaneers to the San Francisco 49ers. Four years, $54 million. Um, and then you have Darrell Williams, offensive tackle, staying with or going to the Panthers for uh, $7 million for one year. Jared Cook is still a tight end. Tevin Coleman going to the Niners for two years, $10 million. They got a steal there. Uh, and then Jordan Hicks staying with the Eagles. Uh, Justin Houston, Ronald Darby, still free agents out there. So, Charlie, out of all those signings, uh, which are the most significant to you? Which surprised you? The, which one surprised you the most? Uh, and what are your overall thoughts on, on some of these uh, big contracts being handed out? Well, uh, man, well, I think the biggest move – of the offseason so far has been the Odo Beckham Jr. trade. I mean, wild. I don't, I don't know how you sign him to an extension and trade him, even after you said we didn't sign him to trade him, and then you go ahead and trade him anyways. You know, that's just crazy because he's one of the top three best wide receivers in the NFL. And, I mean, they got a decent haul for him. They got a first-round pick. They got Jabril Peppers, who's a first-round pick. So essentially two first-round picks for him. Um, but – yeah, I mean, to me, to give up something like that, uh, <laughs> that's just tough, man, because that offense is already kind of, you know, lacking some talent there. But that, to me, is the biggest splash move. And then, obviously, the most followed move of the offseason was where was Le'Veon Bell going to end up? Mm. And uh, he ends up going to the Jets. Um, you know, maybe Adam Gase can can make some things work up there. There's... Yeah, they have some pieces. They got the young quarterback who looks like he he's got some promise. Um, what Robbie Anderson, I guess, is their top he's, wide. He's actually not even technically back on the team yet. He's, he's still true. technically yeah. like a free agent, so they might not have him back. But they do have Quincy Nunoa, though. So. so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it sounds to me that like the Jets are just gonna run Le'Veon Bell into the ground. Um, mm. Which is what he was afraid of the entire time. Which is what he was afraid of the entire time. He held out, left $14 million on the – look, I get it. I, I'll i never judge – I'm saying this and I'm getting ready to judge what he <laughs> did. Like, 
you know, his situation, his money, his family, whatever he wants to do. But good lord, how do you leave fourteen million dollars on the table mm-hmm. for an entire year? Don't get paid. And then you sign a contract after that for less money than what you would have had you signed it the year before, right. and you wouldn't have lost out on $14 million. It's mm-hmm. not like that that salary that he was going to get last year was thrown onto the jet salary. It's not like he got right. rewarded for that. He just took a year off and didn't play football and got out of whatever toxic hellhole was going on in, in, in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, And that also kind of leads to Antonio Brown getting traded to the Raiders. Um that's kind of crazy. I mean, it's just – I don't know, man. I mean, the Steelers to me um, – obviously, I believe Saints black and gold, but the Steelers to me are the are the most successful franchise in the history of the NFL. Mm. The most recently uh, successful – you know, the most successful franchise as far as recency is the Patriots. But, you know, the Steelers have six Super Bowls as well over different uh, eras of, of the NFL. It's like every era that comes through, the Steelers find a, win, find a way to win a Super Bowl – and they're just so consistent. They're good every year. They have a very no-nonsense type of team, although they let their quarterback kind of get away with some stuff. Mm. Um, you know, it's just crazy to me to see that, you know, they've had three head coaches in, in 60-some years. I mean, that right. that to me is wild. Um, and, it, yeah, I mean, they're kind of like the, the staple of consistency in the NFL and to see their locker room have some serious trouble. I mean, that – to me, it probably falls on Mike Tomlin's shoulders, man. I mean, he's the leader of the pack, right? The head coach is supposed to be the leader of the team uh, all the way down. And, and there's something going on in Pittsburgh. It's really weird. Um, I can see them taking a pretty significant step back. And, uh, you know, we all the, – the Browns are, are, like, super sexy right now. So I could see a lot of people picking the Browns to win that division. I think, you know, you got you to gotta put all that together, right? You get all – you get <clears> – <throat> you already got juice. You go out and get OBJ. You, uh, God, who else on offense did they pick up? They they picked up Kareem Hunt, but he's gonna be out yeah. for eight games. They got um, David they got, Njoku at tight end. They got him at tight end. They, yeah, Rick Baker. They got Callaway, who's a burner. Mm-hmm. They got mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, who's a beast. Um, but you know, you, you gotta be put all of that together, and then you know, Kitchens, who's a first year head coach, has got to be able to manage all those personalities and feed all those mouths. I mean, that's. That's it's kind of it's it's like a double sided coin when you have all these these big names and all this talent. You know, the other side of that is you got to be able to feed all of it and keep them all, you know, with their head on straight and not getting out of line and extra prima donna because they're not getting touches. You know, that you know, the Browns, in order for them to really put all of this together and win, it's got to be team over me and it's got to be, you know, wins over stats. Like, that's mm-hmm. when you have that many personalities man i mean that's a challenge that's a big challenge so now i'm excited to see what the brown i mean who's not right who's not excited to see the years and years and years of just subpar mediocre to terrible teams uh and now they got some serious promise i mean who's not excited you know to right. watch to watch the browns I, i'm excited but those are the, the biggest moves for me as far as the nfl's concerned like yeah. Antonio Brown getting traded to the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell. Where was he going to end up? I did. I did not. You know, going back to Antonio Brown, I did not think the Steelers were going to trade him within the AFC. I thought mm. you know, maybe the Niners or somebody would come in with a pretty decent deal and and get him out of the AFC. I mean, I, I wouldn't want him in. If I'm the Steelers, I wouldn't want him in the AFC. Right. He's going to be definitely going to make you pay whenever you play him again. Yeah, absolutely. At least they didn't trade him in division, though. That would be that would be extremely 
extremely dumb. But that's um, Deshaun Jackson's now back with the Eagles as well. I think that that was. Uh, but but for the most part, a lot of um, uh, players are actually moving over to the AFC. I mean, Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram are going over the AFC. Um, you also have um, obviously. Well, I guess C.J. Mosley staying in the uh, AFC, Anthony Barr staying in the NFC, um, Nick Foles is going over to to the NFC, um, Tyron Matthews staying over in the AFC, Sheldon Richardson going over the AFC, Lamarcus Joyner going over the, over to the AFC. Um, so, uh, but the the NFC is also steadily improving. Of course, the Lions are making a lot of moves. Um, you have the the Niners are signing a lot of guys, um, and I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how to feel overall as to how the NFL is shaping up just because so many teams are throwing out so much money to these guys, and we've seen a pretty steady pattern of free agent guys in the NFL not working out, not coming close to fulfilling four-year deals that when they're initially signed, uh, a lot of people are excited about, um, especially deals that are over $50 million for you know people like Quan Alexander, Landon Collins, um, uh, obviously quarterbacks like Nick Foles, um, and then and then big edge rushers like you know both Preston and Zadarius Smith. Um, sometimes these deals don't work out, so I'm 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 not yet jumping on any sort of um, even though I see big improvements in both conferences, I'm still not really overall worried if I'm the Saints because what the Saints have done is retain guys they know work in their system. A lot of these new guys that are going to these new teams, even though they're big deals and very talented guys. Not sure how they're going to mesh. Not sure if their talent will translate over um, the way that the teams are expecting it to. Um, so I'm really glad the Saints, and, and again, you mentioned this in our DM as well, Charlie, uh, the Who That Dish podcast uh, group chat, that you were, and, and I agree with you, you were very excited that the, the Saints weren't making moves early on in the free agency period uh, you, uh other than sticking with their own guys um not jumping the gun on on big signings not jumping the gun on going after um you know notable guys and throwing a lot of money either for this year or the future at them uh they stayed put for the most part signed their guys and so i'm not worried about even though the nfc looks to be improving on paper i'm still not too worried if i'm the saints i, I still have a lot of confidence in this team um, but it's great to see all these guys uh, getting a lot of money, getting paid, seeing their talents pay off. And free agency is just crazy time to see new uh, faces in new places. Uh, it's awesome to see. But uh, that's all the time we have for today's episode, guys. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can follow our Twitter account at the WDD Podcast. Uh, anything else you'd like to say, Charlie, before we uh, get signed off? No, I mean, as far as different faces in different places, I mean, in in the NFC South, you know what have what have the other teams done? I mean, I don't yeah, think not much. Falcons restructured Matty Ice maybe to you know I think they are they signed a lineman or extended somebody and the Grady Jarrett thing, but right. Um, I guess know, they, they they cut a couple secondary guys. Right, Pool's gone. I think Robert yeah. Offutt's gone. Pool, um, yeah, Pool's gone, and then I mean the uh, Bucks got Donovan Smith back. He's a pretty good offensive lineman. The uh, Panthers got Matt Paradis. He's a, uh, they also got Daryl Williams. Um, other than that, the Falcons really haven't done much other than retaining Jarrett. But they also lost, I mean, Tevin Coleman for next to nothing to the 49ers. So. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of a head-scratcher, too, because mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon are both pass catchers. It, right. it, so that's a little weird. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm like, 
you know, do I really like the moves we're making? Yeah, I guess I kind of do. It sucks we lost Mark, but what is the rest of the what is what are your closest competition? What are they doing? They're kind of sitting on their hands. So, you know, unless if those teams really have phenomenal drafts, you know, I put the Saints right back on top to be able to, you know, somewhat easily be able to win the division. I mean, I, I, you know, we, you know, like I said, we're talking here in mid March. You know, we, you don't win Super Bowls in March, <laughs> right? When I'm, you know, making, you know, put, putting it all together. But as of right now, I don't think. I mean, I don't see the other teams in the NFC South making big moves. And and like you said, a lot of the talent's kind of shifting over to the AFC. So, you know, obviously the Rams are, are going to be a problem. The Rams are definitely going to be a problem. Um, you know, the Eagles will probably be pretty good still. Redskins might be okay, depending on what, what's up with Case Keenum. Um, the NFC West, the rest of it, like the Niners, I think they'll come back to be good once Jimmy G comes, you know, into his own. Like you said, the Lions, too, are making moves. Packers should definitely be improved. The Vikings are a solid team. The Bears are a playoff team. But overall, I mean, I don't I see the biggest moves being made in the AFC. And the Saints moves that we have made have been very deliberate and have been things that we needed to do. We needed to add depth on the defensive line. We needed to keep our core special teams guys because it's very important. We lost Mark. We got another, you know, decent running back to come in and fill fill in. We got our backup quarterback who could be the like the moves that we've made to me in the nfc have been i think we've had the best offseason in the nfc i mean i could be totally biased here but as far as matching players to needs hmm. i don't i, I mean who's in the nfc's have i mean the redskins are they having a great i mean they signed landon collins i mean maybe, their quarter their quarterback is case keenum yeah i mean i don't i don't think well that i speak as far as the, the quality of moves that they've that other teams in the nfc have made I don't know. Maybe I'm just not following it as close, but no, no other teams in the NFC are really jumping out as far as making good moves, not just making big, splashy, cool moves, but like a move where I'm like, yeah, that's that's a pretty good signing. I can see mm. definitely that would fit. Uh, to me, all of that has been on the AFC. Right, right. Yeah, I can't really. Um, I mean, I think the Lions getting Trey Flowers was pretty good, but and that definitely fills a need for them. Um, but it's not really anything to, uh, you know, adjusted Coleman was a decent signing by them as well. Um, and they also got Danny Amendola, but nothing really to scream out, um, anything, anything too special. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost just kind of, um, it's, a, it's also a lot of money to throw at, you know, an edge guy like that, that could hinder because the lions also, since, you know, they traded golden Tate, uh, they do need some weapons around Matt Stafford. They've, they've always had issues there at running back as well um so e- even though they have improved in some areas they still haven't addressed all their problems so yeah I, i'd be I, I i'd agree with you i don't think i mean niners have they got uh they're shoring up th- their defensive line is just absolutely wild first off you know eric armstead now they have d ford um and then they get quan alexander for that front seven as well um it, it, it's just absolutely crazy um, but I, I, I agree with you. I think that the Saints have, and and it seems like they've retained the most guys out of any other team as well. It seems like I, I haven't seen any other team re-sign as many guys as the Saints have been doing. Um, which, by the way, speaking of re-signing, the Eagles have re-signed cornerback Ronald Dar- Darby, um, the former Buffalo Bill that they traded for a couple years ago. He's staying on a one-year deal with the Eagles. Um, but yeah, so those are all the uh, so far free agency moves that have gone down. Um, and I'd actually, it would be awesome to do an episode comparing what the Saints 
have done against all the other NFC South teams. That could be in an episode in and of itself early next week. So uh, that might be a bonus content for you guys. But that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow Charlie on Twitter at St. Charlie. Follow myself at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us five stars if you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, thanks again for listening. And as always, who dat? Who dat?